0: Chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 3 through 14. I've been super excited all week about this passage because it's something that I think that oftentimes a preacher, we want to preach on the hard things and difficult things and give people hope and the good news. And uh, we don't want to be accused of being like um, those prosperity gospels. But this morning, I do kind of want to preach some prosperity, some blessing. I want to preach to you what God gives you as a blessing. And so without further ado, let me just read what Paul says is our blessing. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, with a view of an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven, in the heavens and things on earth. In Him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will." to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. A lot of times when we talk about blessing, we don't Namely, think about the spiritual blessings that we receive. We often think about, and rightly so, our health. Are we blessed with health? I want to be healthy. That's a blessing, to have health. Maybe it's wealth. I want to have money in a savings account. I want to have money for retirement. Wealth is a blessing, to be given money in order to afford your life and livelihood. Even life, a good life, a right life. A a, a life that's kind of aligned and oriented in such a good way, that's a blessing. We even often compare our lives to others and say, well, they have it better than us. They haven't had to deal with all the difficulties that I've had to deal with. They have a blessed life. Wealth, health, life, all these things is what we often find the most valuable But these blessings are not the most valuable. Instead, what are the most valuable is what God has declared is the most valuable and what Paul would cause us to celebrate the most. Paul does not refer to these things, but Paul refers to spiritual blessings that come down from the Father of lights from heaven down to earth. And he's going to break this out for you. And this concept isn't foreign to us, for we have read and even observed through the reading Jesus' own ministry. As he advances the kingdom, as he brought the kingdom down on earth, he first and foremost was concerned to give people spiritual blessings. Think about the story of the paralytic, carried by four men, lowered down through the roof. And understanding that those four men and the paralytic himself first sought physical healing, his health, To restore his leg from Jesus who had demonstrated that he has the power and the capability of doing that. Is that the first thing that Jesus tended to for this man? No, instead of seeing their faith, he gave the spiritual blessing because to Jesus, the spiritual blessing is of greater value than the the physical healing. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees who do not Claim that spiritual blessings are more important, was like, who is this guy? What? He doesn't have the power to forgive sins. But showing and demonstrating that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was God and had the power to do so, and that his sins, this gentleman's sins, was truly forgiven, he said, now get up and walk. See, the latter proved the former, and both took place. But it's in those and the woman at the well, and the hemorrhaging woman, and all these stories, it's first and foremost about spiritual blessing before the physical. All those things that are added, yeah, they're great, but they're not as great as these spiritual blessings. And right out of the gate, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul starts and opens this letter to the church of Ephesus, proclaiming the good news of the blessings that we receive in Jesus Christ. And just to sum up everything, as we will see later on in the verse, uh, in these verses, is that everything hinges on Jesus. See, we have all the multitude of spiritual blessings because Jesus himself is the spiritual blessing. To say this in another way is to say, if you have Jesus, you have it all. And so out of the gate we see as he unfolds and reveals these spiritual blessings, that it's even Trinitarian. We're going to see blessings that the Father gives. We're going to see blessings that the Son gives. And we're going to see blessings that the Holy Spirit gives. See, this is a family venture. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are desperate to give blessing to the people that they've made to replicate and image them. And So let's look. Let's look to verses 4 and 6. But before I move on, let me point out a couple things. Actually, in verse 3. Is that these are spiritual blessings and that they come from the heavens. This is a place that we all desire to be, right? We all claim that this is the place that we are going to dwell for the rest of our lives. All is holy up there. All is right God's presence is ever-dwelling. This comes down from there. So what are these spiritual blessings? Verse 4 says this. You can look. I actually made some screens today just to kind of help because I want you to hone in on these words. Words are important. If God has chosen to reveal himself through words, then we must be readers and we must like words because that's how we get to know about God. That's just my own philosophy. Verse 4 Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The first blessing that we get from the Father is relationship. And this relationship unfolds and unveils itself in two specific ways. That one, God chose us. You know what's very profound that I got caught up in in this verse? Is the fact that before the light was even spoken into creation, before the darkness was illuminated by stars and light and the sun, before the birds took flight into the air, before the fish went swimming in the ocean before the land animals inhabited the land and walked on the face of the earth before the sea and the land were even made and the skies and the heavens were separated and all of that, before all of that took place, God chose us in Jesus Christ. That's a great thing. Look at that, how in Genesis, how much detail goes into creation. That that points to the fact that how much intention that God had in choosing those who are in his Son. Here's a little uh, key to this passage. You're going to hear a lot of in Christ, through Christ, in him, the beloved, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. Because everything hinges on Jesus. And Paul's going to get to this point Here real soon. But the great thing is first and foremost. That our relationship with God the Father is a blessing. And he has chosen it. You know what that means? If he has handpicked it. If he has selected it. That means we're not an afterthought. That means we're not a charity case. That means we're not pathetic and just made up randomly. We are made with intention. We are skilfully handpicked, and designed for what? Holiness and blamelessness. All in Christ Jesus. This is to say that if you are in Christ Jesus, because the Father is always with the Son and has chosen the Son, then if you have chosen Jesus, then God has chosen you before the foundation of the world, before anything began, before you made the decisions you made, before Adam's sin, before anything, he goes, I have chosen you in Christ to be holy and blameless. I have chosen you above all of creation, all that I will create. We have chosen you to mirror us. You to be the pinnacle of creation. Now, I, we can just stop right here, can't we? Guys, just come up. Let's start singing praises. I feel like we can, we can do that. But wait, there's more. The relationship continues. It's not just that you're chosen, handpicked, and selected, but you're also adopted. Can you imagine that? Now all of us, for those who have children, we know what it's like to have children of our own blood, of our own doing, and it's special. And we can only imagine that that feeling is what the father and the son has. But here is something profound. The God of the cosmos, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who will not let anybody profane his name because his name matters. His family is important to him. His name is important to him. Nobody will taint it. Nobody will strip it. Nobody will dilute it. Nobody can just enter it in themselves through their own way. Has adopted those in Jesus to be sons and daughters. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Because this is before the foundations of the There there is nothing that you've done to earn it. It was freely given because it was freely determined. That this is your destiny, to become the very sons and daughters of God. Now, this isn't gender-neutral language. You can just substitute he or she. This is gender-intentional. And what I mean by that is that Paul is not confusing Sons and daughters here. He's specifically using sons to point to the reality of their culture in the ancient Near East. That everything fell to the son from the father. And what he's saying is, now that you're adopted through Jesus Christ, and you become part of the family, the divine family name you. And every blessing, everything given to Christ, he gives also to us. Isn't that amazing? In Christ, we become the sons of God. We get to call the one true God, God of all the cosmos, Daddy. We get to call call Jesus, the Savior of the world, our big brother, Hebrew says. More than that, Not only do we get to call them these things, they call us those things. God the Father says, son, daughter, you are mine, my possession. Isn't this what we also experience? When we create something, when we... Put our employment into everything, all of our intention, all our skill, all our work. Doesn't it stir up our passions within us? Don't we have some kind of allegiance, in a sense, to the things that we enjoy, things that we've built, and the things we've created? Growing up, I had to mow my grandparents' farm. And I had 12 other cousins that ended up not showing up on the days that needed to be mowed, but whatever. Uh, I'm not going to live in bitterness but I, but I would mow and weedy to where I couldn't unfold my hands without pain. But at the end of the day, when the sun was setting, and I'm drinking that lemonade or probably chocolate milk, I'm looking at the work that I had had, and I was happy, and I was joyful. If you could find joy in just a little work like that, How much more joy does the Father take pleasure in his Son and those who have chosen his Son and who are in his Son that he lavishes upon all of those who are in Jesus, his beloved. I liken it to this, the significance of arranged marriages. A lot of people in our culture poo-poo arranged marriages. But I think with a loving, good Father who desires to go and get a bride for his son, isn't just going to take on that venture loosely. He's going to find somebody. I would find somebody for Bo that would be beautiful, that has demonstrated all the good qualities that are going to complement him in every situation and, and just for the rest of their life. Somebody that he can grow to love and that will love him. There's nothing wrong with that because I would say I would have more wisdom than my son to go find a better wife. And this is what the Father has done. But see, God the Father didn't look to how well the bride was, the dowry she could pay, how beautiful she was, or the life that she was capable of living. Instead, it's only if she would choose his son, because he knew that he would make her beautiful, that he would make her wealthy, that he would give her everything that she needs to be for his son. Paul fleshes this out in just a few other chapters, a few other pages later in Ephesians chapter 5, when Christ finds that the church, those who are in him, the church, his bride, his beloved, he washes with the word of God and presents her to himself in radiant glory. That's what the Father does. That's what adoption is. That's what being chosen is like. This is what we are called to. This is the spiritual blessing from the Father that you get to have a relationship with me. That I am am supreme, but you are just not subjects. You are not just people. You are not just created. You are my children. I'm tired from working long days, pulled this way and that way. And I just wanna go home, maybe watch some Downton Abbey with my wife on the couch. And my son, Bo, as soon as that door opens, he's like, hello, Dada, hello, Dada, wherever he is in the house. And he's using these phrases, and he'll say, like, he wants you to do, but he says it as if, he goes, I chase you, but he actually, what he means is, you chase me. I feed you, actually, no, you feed me, is what he means. And so we're working on that. Um, and, but here's the deal. Being a father, no matter how hard I've worked that day, it is a great joy to run laps around my couch in the living room to just hear him laugh and giggle and to just find joy and happiness. If I'm like that, being sinful and wretched and a way lesser of a father than the good father, how much more does daddy God want to chase and run after you and give you good things and to bestow his love and lavish everything he has? In fact, he has. And that takes us to the next spiritual blessing. Look at me, or not look at me, look with me in verses 7 and 8. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind attention which he purposed in him. 7 and 8 points to the fact that this is the blessing that comes from Jesus himself the blessing of redemption. Here is a transaction that we're beginning to read. Here is something that we begin to see. It's a very costly venture for the family, but it is easily and bountifully purchased through the blood of Jesus. There is a storehouse of unlimited buying power at the access and the command of God the Father through Jesus the Son. Jesus, right here in verse 7, says, We have redemption. That's the spiritual blessing redemption. Not only do we get to be in relationship with the Trinity, and not only do we get to be the very sons and daughters of God, but it's been redeemed, it's been purchased, all expense paid. It's more than all of our sin put together. More than all the sin throughout all the generations of all history, the debt has welded up. Nobody can ever make enough or have enough to pay the debt. And Jesus comes and says, I'll pay it. Not just that. I'll not only pay an incalculable debt for everyone who will believe, I mean, think about how many sins we represent here today. Think about all the fallenness and all the sin of all the world that they have accumulated since Adam, the very first one. Billions of people and their sin. The debt. Imagine the wrath from a holy God upon all that sin. And yet, Jesus has more than enough. With just a drop of his blood, could he pay off all of that debt? That's how rich his blood is. And did he not shed more than a drop? We have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. This redemption for those who are in Jesus... We get the blessing to have God's mind erased about everything that we've done. He casts it as far as the east is for the west. For those who are in Christ, the Father chooses to remember your sin no more. Whoa. Not only that, he doesn't stop there. Wait, there's more. Not only did he pay for our debt, but then he deposited into our account more than we could ever spend. Our account is more than full. It is overflowing. Meaning, what God had predetermined the Father from the beginning before the world was even even created to make us holy and blameless, Jesus has now spent and given All of that. He's cloaked you in his righteousness. That's what makes you able to even stand on holy ground. All the good works and the obedience that Jesus did was extended and given to us. Jesus says, all that is mine is yours. Little brother, little sister, I've done it all. Not more is needed. You have more than enough. Last week, do you remember the the word of God saying, my grace is sufficient for you. You have more than enough. You are more than conquerors. You are more than the flowers of the field, the birds of the air. That is a great spiritual blessing. And it's even more than that. But wait, there's more. I'm so thankful that from time to time I, I feel I, I journal. I type in notes or I journal my little thing, just thoughts. Sometimes I, it comes out in poems. Sometimes it just comes out in, in just random thoughts. But there was something that prof- was highly profound to me uh, several years ago. Even before I got back into the ministry, and when I was wrestling with the idea of coming into ministry, and I I was clinging to it one day, and I realized that uh, forgiveness not only erases the mind of God, but that His righteousness covers all of the expenses. And there's something that Paul says in another letter that I think is profound: Romans 15, or Romans 5, verses 15. And 16. Listen to this. See if you can catch, and it becomes as profound to you as it did to me. But the free gift is not the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Let me break this down for you. Let me let me see if I can help make this as profound as it was to me back in the day when I first read it. What it's saying, as what it is saying, is the fact that you can observe the effects of sin. It goes from generation, from generation, from generation, down to the generation, down to the next generation, for all of history, for all the time. The reason why you can look at the world and see hurricanes and tornadoes, you can see that it has impacted even the atmosphere that we breathe and the weather that we cannot ever determine. It's unpredictable. It's chaotic. The world in its fallenness, our lives and our fallenness, our humanity, everything is completely depraved and ruined. Sin is a disease that has fallen on all of us more than corona people were in great fear over that, you should be in great fear of sin because it is more effectual. It has burnt every one of us. It's impacted all of creation. Sin is potent. There's no lying about that. There's no getting around. It is powerful. To say that it's not would be one who is not observing reality. You know what Paul just said? As strong as that was, the one man, Adam, made one decision, violated the law of God, violated the very command of God, and then through all of the rest of human history and all of creation has now fallen to destruction. However, grace is much more strong and more potent. The grace of God. That blew me away because I know my own heart. I know my own depravity. I know my own sin. I know how gross and disgusting it is. And the hope and the good news is God's grace is way more strong than sin is. And it's way more impactful than sin could ever be. If sin is a disease, then grace is more than just a cure. It brings to life newness in every regard. That which has fallen is no longer fallen. That which has trespassed is no longer in violation. That which would destroy and die, be final, no more, will now be brought back to life and made all things new. Some of us cling to the power of sin as if it can't, that it will thwart grace. Grace is more than enough. Grace can just blink at sin and wash it all away. And yet we have a fountain of grace that we get to plunge in. It's always there. A perpetual tide that rushes over us. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a spiritual blessing? The Father gives us relationship. Jesus, the Son, gives redemption, which makes the relationship happen. And now I'm going to give my own personal gift because I'm going to pause here and stop here because I... I want to dwell on these. I'm going to finish the rest of these spiritual blessings next week because right here is where we need to stop. Realizing what we've been brought into. Paul is going to to the Ephesians in his letter. He's going to unfold all of these things. So I don't want to just brush on these things, and I don't want to keep you here for five hours because I will. But I want to tell you, I want to hang. I am not somebody that can just let these things go. And I do not want to be somebody who just skims over them. I want them to have a weight on you. A joyful weight. That you are in relationship. If you're in Jesus, are in a relationship with the divine family. That you are a part of it. That you are a son and a daughter of the God Almighty. Two, you are redeemed. Not just redeemed, you are made not just redeemed, but righteous, through and in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's where your blessing needs to begin, is receiving that blessing from Jesus Christ this morning to say, "Will you, will you be my big brother?" Will you take responsibility? Will you be my brother's keeper? Think about Genesis. Am I my brother's keeper? Jesus says, I'm my brother's keeper. I'll step up to the plate. Whenever you're low, whenever you're down, whenever you need somebody to call, you need somebody to sympathize with it it all, I'll be there. I'm your big brother. You come to me, and I'll take you to daddy. Maybe that's the blessing you need to focus on is the redemption that Jesus' blood brings to your life. and It's not just something to cover your sins and cause God to remember your sins no more. But it's righteousness that the blood that you can be washed in can bring into your life. A right, sober way of living through the blood of Jesus. To finally begin to live life as you were always meant and created and even predetermined to live, holy and blameless. Maybe you need to be reminded that you are a child of God. Maybe you've lost your identity. Maybe you do feel like a charity case. Maybe you do feel like you're just some kind of additional thought. You are the very thought the very intention, hand selected, hand picked thought of God Almighty before you even existed, before He put eyes to your face and the color of your hair or the lack thereof. He thought of you, he says, I'm going to make them my children. Those are just two of the spiritual blessings. Man, next week's going to be a long one because we've got a lot to go over. But here's the response. Here's, Here's the response for me is quit loathing. Quit being a victim. For we are more than conquerors, and Christ has made sure that we are such. And all of this, and you can underline it, go through this passage, underline it, to the praise of his glory out of his kind intention because of the riches of his grace to the praise of his glory. Why has he done all this? Because he's just a good God. Did we not just sing about that? I don't know if there's not a fire under your rear end right now, but there is one of mine and I can only do is sing praises to him. So I'm going to pray and I invite the band to come up and lead us in praising. But that's the response. Lord, thank you so much for all that you have done through your son, Jesus Christ, that we are now in right relationship with you through him. And that, Father, you call us your very sons and daughters. Jesus, we thank you so much for the redemption, for the spilling of your blood that purchased us, that redeemed us, that took care of our debt and gave us more than we can ever spend, that gave us and set us up for right living and righteousness. And granted us the relationship with dad. We thank you. We exalt you. We lift you up right now. Because these spiritual blessings are the most valuable things in heaven and earth. In fact, heaven and earth, Father, are no longer divided. There is no chasm. But they all blend in together. They all unite in this That you are our God and we are your children. That these blessings are ours. And they come from you who dwells in the heavens. May we own them. May we make them ours this morning. And may you sit on your throne in this place on top of our praises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.